Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. We appreciate you as always. I'm Amanda. You can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can find Nick and Ryan at HalfShackCap and at DCNatJack. You can find OPT, our digital media coordinator, at One Pursuit Takes. You can find our blog contributor, Monty, at MDT8675309. And you can find the show at Half Street High Heat. What's up, fellas? How's your uh, week? Well, Monty changed oh, his, his app again? again. Well, he made it. He, he So Monty returned to Twitter for uh, an albeit brief session. Um. No, he he was the hero we deserved, but not the one we needed right now. Um, <laughs> but he changed his his name to On the Pod someday, <laughs> which I appreciate. Nice, I appreciate that too. And I just realized I forgot to give you guys my description, yeah, which is so, I'm joined by my pertinacious co-hosts, pertinacious, pertinacious. Don't know what that means. Um, yeah. But yeah, we should change Monty's Twitter name again to on Twitter someday uh, because he's just... He's gone he's, again. He, yeah, he, he's gone. Just as quickly as he returned, he's gone. He's um, he's an ephemeral creature. He just yeah. comes and goes. Uh, but to answer your question, you know, I've just had a day. Um, so I got my PS5 delivered, uh, which was awesome. But it was kind of a weird situation. So it shipped Thursday, last Thursday. And Walmart doesn't charge you until you ship. Well, I got a notification from my bank that they, like, declined the charge because oh, I thought it was no. fraud. <laughs> so, like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to cancel my order. I'm not going to get it. I don't have to go through this whole process again. So, like, I'm calling Walmart. I'm calling my bank I'm, and all this stuff. And when I get a hold of Walmart, they're like, no, you're good. Like, it already shipped. I was like, what? And they're like, yep, yeah, I already shipped. It's like, okay. And I'm like scrolling through my bank, my recent transactions. 
no charge for Walmart. I'm like, so did you get okay. a free PS5? Is that what you're right? So Sunday it, it it arrives and I'm like, holy crap! I just got a P P free PS5. Like, like this is the greatest day of my life. Like I just finessed Walmart and it's not stealing when it's from Walmart. So like I was good. Facts. Um, and then you know I had a great day with it yesterday. Go to log on today. Uh, you know, it's payday's Friday, so I was just getting my finances in order. So I was looking at my app, boom, there's the charge. So, you know, I had about like 36 hours of thinking I had a free PS5. Well, uh, there you go. At uh, least you have a PS5. So yeah, at least it. I have a PS5. But then I come into, you know, my office to to record and, you know, there's a, we don't usually have the, the light on during the day just because there's enough natural light. Uh, but obviously we're recording at night. So I turn on the light and there's a fr- flickering light bulb. And usually Ooh. it'll flicker for like three minutes and then it'll stop. And I'm, I've just been too lazy to change it. Well, you know, I it's one of those light fixtures with a cover over it where you kind of unscrew the knob and then the, the cover comes off. Yeah. Um, so like I unscrewed the cover. Finally, it was like stuck. And then there was like the inner piece of the knob was stuck to the fixture. So I couldn't get it off. Meanwhile, I'm being like strobe light to death, strobe lit, strobe lighted to death, like as I'm staring up at the fixture. And, you know, this is basically my flu game is what I'm getting at, because like I was about to have a seizure while trying to change a light bulb. And did you you get it changed? Finally. But now I'm annoyed because uh, they had like the harsh white, bright white light bulbs in there. And I had like the soft, you know, tan yellow light bulb. So now I have two different light bulbs in the fixture and I'm just bothered. Oh, so, wow. You know, this... it, it, it's, it's a rough day. It really is my, my flu game. Yeah, or the bloody sock. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is a fascinating story. Ryan, do you have anything nearly that interesting to share with us? You know, one of my lamps in my room, the light bulb is a different color. So I Wow, I was only kidding. <laughs> so my room is like really dark because I like the one in the corner because it's a really nice warm color and like the vibes are just immaculate in my room so i just turn it i like plug in like my christmas lights to go over it so i completely understand what you're going through nick and i also greatly care about everything you say i think everything you say is very interesting i appreciate Um, that unlike our co-host here yeah um my week i I don't know i like some reason i felt like new year's was the other day like i don't know (laughs) this year is this year's wild um civil war almost started like it's it's been a week um the whole year actually the whole year, actually, yeah. You know, yeah, it ever, ever feels since, like more than twelve days so far, kind of. You know, I, I, I just, I made a, I made a business decision. You know, I'm, I'm in the stock markets. I had a really good oh, week boy. last week, um, but today I lost eight bucks on the stock market today. Absolutely oh. terrible. Um, so Ryan, to talk Springer, to and are you okay? Like, you know, that are you good financially? That was that was a big hit, you know. I was up forty okay. last week. I was on top of the world, and my dad yeah. said, "Hey, don't don't watch it. every day. It goes up and down." I checked today, and I was down eight dollars. So That's I had a mental breakdown. good advice from your dad. I don't ever <laughs> even look at ours. I don't. I seriously, yeah, I'm like, was, it's just you put the money in there and you forget about it and don't uh, even look at Amanda, it. Amanda, you know, I appreciate your your lack there of concern, um, <laughs> but Ryan just lost eight dollars on the stock market. Can we please focus on him? Yeah, he hasn't He'll, lost it unless time. he Lots sold the stock. This you is didn't his enduring it. time. <laughs> how dare you tell him how he should feel? I'm just saying, if you didn't sell it, you didn't lose it. Nobody asked you to say. 
well, we could go back to talking about light bulbs, I suppose. Um, before I got on, though, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my PlayStation 5, mm. and it's fantastically brutal. And I texted Nick. I was like, hey, I'm raiding this place. Um, text me when, like, you send it. And this fat guy was, like, running away from me. He's like, you can't kill me. I took that personally. So I, like, used, like, three specials on the guy. And I was sitting in my chair laughing for about 30 seconds by myself in my very <laughs> vibey room because my light bulbs don't match. <laughs> um, it's a tough scene. It was speaking fantastic. of video games, so I finished playing Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima. And did you did you donate like a lot of people are who played that game? Donate. Yeah, so there's like a huge fund for people to play that game to help with the island that the video games like played on. Like the real island. There's like this huge oh, fund oh, to like help. No, them. but now that you say that, I'm almost convinced that it was easily the greatest game I've ever played. Oof. And coincidentally, you know, it being uh highly immersed in Japanese culture, so Guys, the, the hair is getting pretty long. We are officially a- approaching ponytail range right now. Oh, yes, but, yes, yes. But yes. when, you know, when I got married, I like, uh, I got a haircut, but it was just kind of like fading the back and side so that the top wasn't touched. So if I do a ponytail, it's very much like the Japanese samurai ponytail. Um, so it's, you know, all on the top and nothing on the side. So. I, I might rock that that Japanese samurai cut for a while and see how see how it feels. All right. Well. Is it but you already finished the game, so it feels like maybe you should have been rocking that while you were playing the game, but I guess Well, I can't yell at my hair to grow faster, Amanda. You could. I don't know how much it would work. But you could. Well, I guess no I'm gonna get in no on advice. the uh, no, no advice. Tell your hair to grow faster. That's my advice. Besides, I tried offering stock market advice, and you guys shouted me down. So you actually, don't get any hair actually, advice. Actually, you just acknowledged that Ryan's dad gave good advice. You didn't offer advice yourself. I did indeed say he gave good advice. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying you didn't offer advice which yourself. Which in turn – I also did, which I did give good advice, which is don't sell it, and you haven't lost anything. That How can you say advice. it's good advice when that's a subject, subjective claim? And you didn't ask Ryan if it was Oh, that's advice. right. We established last week that you think that your opinions are fact, but other people's opinions are not. <laughs> and so. we established last week that you just think whatever you want, and you don't care what other people think. And that's called opinions, thinking what you want. That's the way that works. Yes, your opinions and mine, and what I was saying was fact. So glad we got that squared away. Your opi- exactly. So you just, exactly. Your opinions are facts, but other people's aren't. That's Except exactly mine weren't we opinions. They were actually facts. I was laying out facts. Your and you were just responding that with opinions. And you game were saying, isn't you were, changing you were, as a fact. You were saying, no, you were fact. saying that you were right because your opinions are your opinions when I was laying out facts as to why you were wrong. You know that's that episode what of happened? Real Housewives that that. where they're arguing and the girl's like, that's my opinion. I feel like this is what this is, and I'm very yeah. much enjoying it. I have never seen Real Housewives. Never watched it. But oh, you're missing out. Yeah, I actually have a friend who's super into it and tells me I should go back and watch the whole, the whole shebang. But I just don't think I have the, I don't think I have the strength to go back and start that all over from scratch. It seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. So before we argue more, why don't we talk about baseball a little bit? Or I can tell you about my light bulb story, which is that both of the light bulbs in my closet are gone. One of them blew out last week and the other one today in my closet in my bedroom. And they're 10 years old. We've had this house for 10 years and have never changed those light bulbs. So as long as we're telling light bulb stories, I still haven't changed them. 
So I have no lights in my closet. So there you go. No, you laughed at Nick, but every single person has a light bulb story. Right? Everybody does. <laughs> Everyone has an issue <laughs> with light bulbs right now. Yep, that's true. We did all have a light bulb story to share. Who would have thought? All right. Give us some baseball, Ryan. Hit us with the weekend review. Yes. So there's some moves, more news, but overall, a pretty slow offseason. Rob Manfred did tell teams, though, to start planning on reporting on time for spring training and the plan to play a full 162-game season. It is important to note that Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic states that there is a group of owners who are in favor of starting spring training in April. Having the regular season start in May, play a full 162-game schedule, and the postseason would take place in November at warm-weather neutral sites. MLB owners see the April to November plan as more realistic than reporting in February and playing like normal. An issue with this, though, is although there's no election this year, the TV networks want as close to normal TV schedule as possible. The TV networks saw the competing sports schedules last year as a reason for why they saw decline in ad money, and they do not want competing sports again. So that could be something to monitor. MLB is reporting on planning to have fans in sites um, where cities and local authorities are authorizing them. MLB says they will not require testing or vaccination proof before attending a game. They cite the lack of testing and the of issues issues with the vaccination rollout as reasons why, but they did state everyone wearing a mask, sorry, everyone at the game will have to wear a mask, and everyone attending will have to be socially distanced throughout the parks. Good news is Major League Baseball stadiums are pretty big for the most part, and they're all open air. Another offseason, another quote-unquote scandal, as an ex-Angels employee name-dropped several high-profile pitchers and asking him for sticky stuff. In case you don't know, sticky stuff is Roslyn, and bug spray. Uh, these players would ask for sticky stuff before cold weather games and other playoff games. These pitchers named for it were Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Felix Hernandez, and Adam Wainwright. Baseball has a massive, massive scandal on its hands here. Spoiler alert, everyone uses sticky stuff. Moving on, players and agents are getting more and more frustrated as the owners are trying to gas out the players into February and take deals for pennies on the dollar of their value. It is important to note that the CBA ends soon and the owners are continuing to cry poor. Speaking of that, MLB owners are citing the reconstruction of the ESPN deal as concerns with payroll and revenue. While ESPN is paying Major League Baseball lower than they normally do this season, each and every other broadcasting company that MLB has a deal with is paying them more. MLB is slated to make a record revenue on television broadcasting deals for the 2021 season. Two rumors, Red Sox are having conversations with the Blue Jays, Phillies, and Astros about trading young left fielder Andrew Benatendi, and the trade is reportedly close and could go down as soon as this week. The Cubs are shopping Wilson Contreras, and the Marlins have had talks with them. Marlins have more than enough firepower to get him, but the hurdle at this moment is the money. DJ LeMayu is reportedly pissed off at the Yankees and has begun having conversations with other teams. Trevor Bauer updates his free agency via his YouTube, says he wants to play for a contender, he says he wants to build a vlog his entire season, and he wants to pitch every fourth day. Trevor Bauer is a very gifted man, but his greatest gift is tricking everyone into thinking he's a top five pitcher in the league. The man who has a higher career ERA than Julio Te Tejeron um, is seeking the highest AAV ever for a pitcher. 
We'll see how that goes. To the players, Mets acquire um, all-star Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. They did trade their future shortstop, but they already have had discussions with extending Lindor long-term. Liam Hendricks signs a three-year, $54 million contract with the White Sox. It would have been record AAV, but in reality, it's a three-year, $39 million contract with a massive $15 million buyout that has to be paid at some point. Daniel Robertson signs a one-year deal with the Brewers. Nat signed Kyle Schwarber to a one-year deal. We'll have more on that in a little bit. And this has been your Week in Review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. This week's small business shout-out is El Bebe. They have delicious Mexican food right in Navy Yard, just a couple blocks from Nationals Park. I've been multiple times. I've gone brunch there multiple times. The best Mexican food, hands down. Um, they're available for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery. So make sure you guys order from them next time you want some delicious Mexican food. This has been your week in review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff this week. I uh, did not enjoy learning that we're going to be playing Lindor as often as we are now that he's in the NL East. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun on the Nats bat because there's some definite, um, I, I guess just overall developments <laughs> in, in that week in review. But, you know, the, the one that stood out to me was like the owners not wanting the schedule to change because they don't want to fight other sports. When if you think back, just, you know, a few Sorry, months that was ago, the TV execs don't want it to change. The owners want to push it back. Oh, I misunderstood yeah. that. The owners oh. want the season to go from May to the end of October. The TV networks are pushing back on that. Ah, uh, all right. Well, because I was going to say, you know, the owners were the ones who delayed the start of the season for so long when no one, no one know, else was, was playing. Say. So, they okay. also didn't want to not fight other sports. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Okay, yeah, because they literally went up against everyone and their mother and lost, including, you know, all the presidential debates. Um, okay, all right. So that, well, that was the big one. Yeah, because um, if the timeline, if they start the season April, May, they could probably get the vaccine by then. So that's when they want to start then. Um, but there's pushback from the network execs because they want their ad money that they have to originally contracted to. So it's another annoying red tape battle. Well, it, that's something that's going to come up with the new CBA. And Ryan, I know you and I talked about this, I think it was last night, uh, like uh, the potential for, you know, a shortened season, something like 140 games, which would essentially just be shaving off the first month of the season. I don't think they're going to push it back into deeper into the, the fall at all. Um are you guys for that, against that? I, I know it's different, so Amanda's going to hate it, but uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. It I makes, don't actually hate it. It makes a lot of sense because I know there's a lot of complaints about starting the season when they do, um, just because playing in the cold, um, having to report in February and all that stuff there is pretty unpopular, especially when you go from being in beautiful Florida in February to like playing in Colorado or somewhere. Um, I do think 140 games is going to be the new norm. Um, players are fighting. I'm not fighting. The players have mentioned a desire for a smaller schedule. Um, the 162 games takes an unreal toll on people's bodies, and they don't really talk about that. You know, you're playing 162 games in 180 days. You mm -hmm. go to a smaller schedule, 
you know, you can get an extra 20 days off. And while that annoy fans, you're going to have healthier players. You're also going to have a better product on the field. Uh, my buddy thinks they only get 80 games in this year, but I think Major League Baseball should get a full season in. Um, but I think after the CBA, 140 is going to become the new norm. I don't disagree with that, although, you know, I don't want to see it get too small. I, I, I think the the grind of a baseball season is part of what makes it, to me, the hardest thing to win is because you really do see in some sports, you know, you can see fluky stuff, but in baseball, I feel like the best teams really are the ones that wind up in the postseason. And it's one of the things I like about the sport, but this year, I don't really have a problem if they wanted to push it back a little bit, um, given how COVID is spreading so rapidly in the cold weather right now. I think that a situation where you were, there was more outdoor stuff going on. Maybe you could even get fans into more stadiums. I, I don't know. I just feel like we're still not past COVID. I mean, we're past 2020, but we're not past COVID. And if this year is a little wonky again, then I'd be okay with that. And if that means they start a little later and play into November to get in 162, I guess that's fine. If they get fewer games in and end at the same time, they normally would, I'm, I'd be okay with that too. And I think after this year, Hopefully COVID is a memory and we're, we're back to normal, but the new CBA, I agree with you, Ryan, is probably going to have fewer games. So I just feel like this year doesn't need to be thought of as precedent setting, if that makes sense. I think they should just do what makes sense for this year. And I think, sorry, um, I think this year is going to be wonky. Like if anyone's expecting this to be a normal season, they're, going to be surprised or disappointed um look at the nba like the nba is having a lot of issues right yeah. now no bubble right now for them yeah and they're probably kind of you know regretting not doing a bubble they're having games that are postponed all the time and they just had to do this huge new basically like a like i don't even know like what to call it like their next like two weeks are like incredibly strict so they can kind of get like stop having entire teams go down from covid it's yeah, who be- was it just had like 17 out of their 27 oh, the- i forget um, the 76ers. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, the 76ers. Yeah, yeah. 17 players. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy. You can't Wizards play like playing this. tonight because they couldn't even get eight players. So, like, the season's going to be wonky. There's going to be weird things. The owners wanting to push it to May. Like, I know in the back of their mind they want to do it because they want more fans to be there, but it also makes sense at the same time. Yeah. Agreed. All right, well, um, let's move into our NatSpat segment and talk a little bit about the Mets trading for Lindor and Carrasco. What is your, for you guys, what was kind of your initial reaction? What are your thoughts now that you've had a little time to digest it? I had the whole trade up. When I first saw it, I was like, if they get him without Please. I know Rosario was in it, um, but I can't remember less. I was like, if they don't give up Rosario, what the hell? Um, but they did, which basically signals that the Mets are going to sign him long term. You don't give up the, your future no. shortstop for him. Um, and, and like, I feel like they just like threw in Carrasco because they're trying to dump salary. So yeah, um, I think I think Lindor is overrated. I really do. But the Mets lineup was already strong, and they just added a top shortstop in the game to it. It's incredibly annoying. They got a lot incredibly better. annoying. They're sure. already a 90 win team healthy. And they're probably about 92, 93 win team right now. And it's so annoying. And they're not, well, in theory, not done yet. Um, yeah, I agree. Lindor's overrated, but that's not to say he's still not a top short type in baseball. Um, yeah. Overrated and, doesn't mean bad. Right. And <laughs> yeah, he's still a significant upgrade over who they had there. Um, so, you know, you have to look at it from that perspective, not who, Lindor is, you know, himself or, you know, the hype surrounding him. Um, 
they got better. They were already better than us and they got better. So, you know, the Nats need to respond and they need to do it in a big way. Otherwise we're just going to find ourselves. And they need to do it soon because the dominoes are starting to fall. And I'll tell you my initial reaction to this was that this is what the Nats should have done with Harper the year before he was going to walk. Like I respect it that they said, Hey, right. Well, yeah, that what the Indians did was say, Hey, we're not going to sign this guy again. Let's get something for him instead of just letting him walk next year. And while I'm sure this is hard on Cleveland fans because Lindor is a fan favorite, I'm sure that uh, they're not loving this situation, but I think it was a, a good move for the Indians. I mean, I mean they mean, got worse, obviously, but you know they they're sold, they're thinking about the future. They sold low on him, but at the same time, they got Rosario. Um, so I feel like that was what they mainly wanted. And two out prospects. Of. Yeah, so like you got who's going to be a future of your team now. So yeah, they sold short, but at the same time, like they did get a decent return. Um, the Nets did. Like, what do you mean? Like, the Nats definitely responded because they went out and signed Kyle Frickin' Schwarber, of all people, um, to a one-year deal. Um, they signed I think him. they're going to extend him, though. The way he was talking in that introductory <sighs> press conference, he seems pretty pretty excited to be here, which I think was cool. And uh, Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying not to be cynical. I, you know, it's, it's January. It's almost spring training. Hope springs eternal. I, I'm getting into Homer mode. I'm ready. <laughs> So I have a lot of thoughts about this. We remember they moved Soto the right field because they're like, oh, there's people we're eyeing. Everyone's like, oh, my God, Marcelo Zuna, Michael Brantley. It was Kyle Schwarber. Um, when you look at his numbers, you're like, okay, you know, in 2019, he had 38 home runs. He had 871 OPS. That's pretty good. But then you see the fact that he only had 92 RBIs. And, yes, RBIs are a team stat, but it also tells you what type of hitter you are. Josh Bell had 117 RBIs on the worst team in baseball. Okay. Kyle Schwarber was on the 90-win playoff team and only had 92 RBIs. And I kind of started diving into it. His numbers were abysmal when people were on. So the 38 home runs, yeah, it's great. But that's a very, very empty 38 home runs. Mm-hmm. Now, Wrigley's weird. There's a lot of weird win going on there. And um, his defense has kind of suffered because of that. I know the Nats think his defense is going to improve because he's out of Wrigley, but his defense is an issue and you're the worst defensive team in baseball. So I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about this move. I'm hoping it'll work. I'm hoping him bang fifth or sixth is like works and he hits 30 plus home runs and gets close to hundred RBIs. But the 38.92 is a little interesting. 871 OPS. If he has that this year, absolutely fantastic. There's no bad one-year deals, but it's just interesting. Uh, yeah. Definitely appreciate the $7 million over the initially reported $10 million. Oh, my God. I was so <laughs> Yes, I uh, was, too. I was like, they gave him $10 million? Yeah. I was freaking I mean, out. It essentially is $10 million with the $3 million buyout, but that doesn't affect this year's um, salary. So, uh, you know, that's a big thing when trying to finesse another, hopefully, couple moves. Um with Schwarber, my biggest concern was he just profiles a lot like Josh Bell. And Ryan, you just did a great job like analyzing the two. Um, but with, you know, who they profile as as hitters, it's a lot of thump, but a lot of swing and misses. And, you know, a lot of waves wow, as well. A lot of swing and misses. Uh, and which is fine. You can have that in your lineup. But when you have a lineup pretty much filled with that or dependent on that you run into a situation like we saw with the Cincinnati Reds in the playoffs where they have a lot of thump 
not really many contact guys, and then they go up against the Braves and can't put up a run because the Braves, you know, are one of the teams with pretty solid pitching, to say the least, and just absolutely shredded through that that Reds lineup because no one could get on base and they couldn't manufacture runs. They're too dependent on the long ball. And we've seen in the past the Nats have been very dependent on the long ball, and in some cases it has worked for him for them, but that's not something you really want to rely upon, even though, you know, there is a correlation between the best offensive baseball or best offenses in baseball and how many home runs they hit. But that's more a, of like, you, they just have good players that can do both, not more home yeah. runs. So if they know, sign another the bat, I think they need a contact guy. He's absolutely be on base a lot, not, uh, not another, not another, you know, slugger. Yeah. Cause I got a lot of that now. There's certainly still options out there, um, but Amanda, like you said, they need to make something happen soon. Um, but you know, again, the good news is there's still plenty of moves that they could make, whether it be in free agency or trade. But Bell and Torber are not enough. Suarez, you know, like kind of bring me Suarez. Seeing them get Bell and Schwarber, um, and they posted that really weird got them when it wasn't even cropped like it literally was like straight off the press like they didn't even bother so cropping awesome. the thing i was like okay like, this is our entire like social- amateur hour yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um i saw this on reddit but it also makes a lot of sense schwarber and bell are bounce back candidates right and they kind of come off as people if they bounce back and the nats aren't in contention because right now this roster is not good enough to compete for division title if they're not in contention, those are people they could potentially sell off to get a good return for. Mm -hmm. So it kind of seems like they're buying, like getting guys who could be good for now, but also with that in mind. But if it's all crap at the trade deadline, then they can retool. They they can decide what they want to do at that point. Right. Yeah. And actually that's a really smart way to do it because nobody wants to hear it. I don't think it's just Nats fans, but no fans want to hear that your team is preparing to suck. But if the possibility exists that you're going to be way out of the division race and not looking at a wild card, then it's good to have saleable assets for the future. What we're honestly looking at, and I don't love it. uh, I think the Nats are going to add one more, more contact oriented bat, not the right-handed power bat that we identified as the, as the top need. <laughs> we I literally identified that as the top. What about need, a guy like the Brantley? Thing, it's the one thing they don't lefty. Get. Well, the thing with Brantley is, yes, he's a lefty, but we still haven't gotten confirmation on the the DH. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely seems like they think it's going to be impl- in, implemented. Jesus, I can't talk tonight, but um, until that happens, you can't really add Brantley because then you're just going to have, you know, a, a big old problem with your lineup unless. Yeah. Well, you can't even move someone to first because Josh Bell's at first. That's, Speaking of lineup. Yeah, but um, well, now, oh, I think we're going to add one contact-oriented guy. I still pick Tommy Lestella just because of his, um, you know, good track record in recent seasons, but also positional flexibility. And then I think we add um, kind of a veteran starting pitcher to fill that fourth spot, maybe three-and-a-half spot, considering all the injuries and question marks we have at the top. Um, someone like Corey Kluber seems to fit that bill who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that lineup as it stands now, not great, Bob. 
And also a left-handed reliever. Do you remember when we interviewed well, yes, Richard we Rowley that, and she but... said, oh, that can't possibly, who was that even guy? I can't even remember his name that we signed some nobody, nobody had ever heard of who was a lefty reliever. And I oh. said, do you think that's all they're going to do? And she laughed and said, that can't possibly be all they're going to do. And now I'm like, it's the 12th of January, guys. Like, if you're going to sign a lefty reliever, you better get on it. Because... Yeah, it's going to be someone like Jake McGee. It's not going to be Brad Hand, unfortunately. And that's one thing we didn't mention with Liam Hendricks was that Liam Hendricks officially priced Brand- Brad Hand out of the Nats range. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because after what, you know, what did you, he got $54 million, it was? Essentially, yeah. Brad Hand's going to want the same. Yeah, exactly. Especially there, since he's a lefty. No way. The, the Nats never pay for relievers like that. But even McGee would be fine at this point. I just like something, somebody. Well, right now we, we have can't, literally no one. So, nobody. Yeah. Like, we can't go into the season with, like, no left-hander in the bullpen. Like, they've got to find somebody. Like, Seth Romero is slotted in as our left-handed guy right now. Well, I don't see what could possibly go wrong. Yeah, it's not like he gave up a grand slam in his debut or anything. No, it's not like that. <laughs> All right, so um, let's talk a little bit about what the Nats lineup would look like right now, um, given who we have. I think we just talked about how we expect there to be. For the record, this was what Davey actually identified his current lineup as. Got it. So we're going to just, I'll just read this out for listeners. So this is what Davey Martinez says is his penciled in lineup. And then we can talk about our thoughts on it. So Turner, Soto, Bell, Schwarber, Castro, Gomes, Robles, Kibo. I love Juan Soda hitting second. I want Juan Soda hit second. Um, The new analytics, well, it's not really like analytics. It's common sense. You want your best hitters to hit as much as possible. Your one is going to obviously gets the most amount of ABs, and it goes down. Your one and two are going to get about 75, almost 100 more ABs than everyone else on your lineup. Yeah. More ABs for Juan Soto, please. Trey Turner, Juan Soda are your best hitters. But you look at this lineup, again, this is a third-place lineup. It's a lot better than it was last month, but it's kind of crazy you add two guys, and you're like, it still needs more. Um, They really need to add, in my opinion, a high on-base percentage righty. And I really think this lineup will go a long way if you add them behind Soto. Um, Personally, I'm all in on Justin Turner, even though he's old, and I don't like adding old people. But – He's a 400 on base percentage going back to 2017. Yeah, um, that would be real good in the lineup. He put someone who's going to have like a three. He has pop too, so he can yeah. hit third. And he has a he's an average defender. And if you somehow make the playoffs, the man has like more playoff experience than anyone because he's on the Dodgers. <laughs> right. put someone who All has, they do is go to the playoffs. Exactly. Like you put someone who has that high of an on base percentage behind Soto, that elongates your entire lineup because they're going to have to pitch to Soto. Because they know Justin Turner is going to be right behind them. And Justin Turner is just an on-base machine. And that's going to create issues. And you're also going to put Schwarber down to five. Everyone goes down. Um, Would you leave Bell in front of Schwarber? You you just talked about how Schwarber doesn't hit as well with men on base as Bell. Schwarber, he's interesting. He's batted all over in Chicago. He's batted on leadoff for a while. He's batted third. Um, I personally think he's a six-hitter. Like, I, I really think he's a five, six hitter. I feel like and you could do a lot worse is. than having a guy who hit 38 home runs as a, as a six hitter. Exactly. And like in 2019, he did spend some good amount of time leading off. Um, just put him like five or six. Like, and I think Bell is a much bigger threat, especially since that he is a switch hitter. Cause as of right now, if any team has a good lefty reliever or lefty pitcher, 
they're taking out the heart of this order because you got Soto, Bell, Schwarber, and Bell hits righties better than he hits lefties. So they're they're taking that three out. You need something to disrupt that. A righty on base guy and Bell there breaks up your lefties and also helps out from them just bringing in one guy to mow him down. Like we heard Dusty say it 100,000 times. He didn't want his lefties in order like that. He wanted left, right, left, right. So teams couldn't do that. It was a yeah. little dusty thing. And that's it sure why I think we should be lower. What do you think about Castro? What are you guys expecting from him this year? He's, he's interesting. His career-wise, like he's a decent, like he's a good player. Um, I just don't know how he's going to come back from his wrist injury. It's going to, it's, I don't know. I'm going to have to see like how his offseason training went and how spring training went. Cause if he can come back and get close to his career numbers, him being there is fine. Cause he's a, he's a good professional hitter. Um, him batting fifth. You're like, well, I like him bat a little bit lower in the lineup. Yeah. I was right thinking now, more like a six, seven situation. Yeah. Cause right now that that's a pretty big drop. If this lineup as it is, your one through four is fine. Your five through eight is going to cause a lot of issues. Castro batting six seven, you have a pretty pretty good lineup on your hands. Yeah, I like it. What what about Robles? I know we've killed him a bit on here, and he's looking a little. What, well, what's the word like I'm looking for? And thick. Yeah, maybe that's I mean, the that's word. That's like that's yeah, not, it's thicker not, Robles. Yeah, it's not it's not good weight either. You know, no. you kind of have to use the do theory with him, like. You can't be like advertised as a five tool player and just not having them when you come up. Well, like he has right. his defense and speed. Like at, at some point, the hitting is going to have to come together. Like he hits in the offseason. Do off you season. expect it to no. come together this year, I, or what he, do you think? Don't, he you really think he just shown, doesn't have it? He just hasn't shown anything consistently to say that he has. He has those flashes. He has those really good series. They're like, all right, this is going to be Victor. And then next thing you know, they just throw him nothing but off speed, and he can't adjust to it. Until he learns to adjust, he's not going to be that consistent threat. And this lineup really, really needs him to take a big old jump this year. We need him to take that leap into what they expect him to be. It yeah, I don't see it happening. Big. I would love to see it happen, but I just, I don't know. I don't want to say, I'm not like giving up on Robles completely. I think he's too young for that. But I definitely, the, the bloom is off the rose. Like, I'm not feeling as confident that, you know, a year or two ago, I was going, oh, he's going to be fine. He just needs to figure it out. But now I'm a little bit more skeptical of what he's going to wind up being. I mean, everyone knows my opinion on Victor Robles. On the very first episode of this podcast, I declared Victor Robles a more flashy Michael A. Taylor, and I got ruined for it. And then I doubled down on it a year later, got ruined for it. And now we're another year later, and I'm going to triple down on it. Um, you know, we need to view Victor Robles in the same vein as Carter Keyboom, where you just have to wonder if it's ever going to all come together the way we anticipated. And Victor Robles has put more together than Carter Keyboom, uh, but he also plays outfield, so there's a little bit more room yeah, for a little error. Room. Yeah, not no pun intended, but um, but he also plays. Uh, that's not to say he plays a, an average center field. He plays a great center field. Um, but he's also able to utilize his speed a little bit more than Carter Keboom, you know, obviously is in the infield. Um, but still, you know, you have to wonder if he's ever going to put it all together. Cause this is year three. We're talking about it now. And I get 2020 was a wonky season, but 
we really aside it's from enough like, of a sample size aside from point, like the yeah. first you know couple games where he put it together we didn't see anything all season like trey turner trey turner someone we've been asking when's he going to put that mvp season together and he did in 2020 like it was a very solid season so now you're like okay we got a sample size we can work with it we can, we can go from it but victor robles hasn't given us anything of that magnitude yet like ryan said it's been a series here a series there but he has not put it all together and he's only getting older and not saying he's old, but like at some point it has to click. And now he's putting on bad weight. And yeah, he's mashing in the Dominican lead in in, in the winter, but so does everyone. Dude, that's it, not the same level of pitching he's gonna be same. facing in MLB. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not the same. So I you know that's why I'm always so, you know, gung ho on offering Robles in trades. Control means nothing to me when you're controlling an average player. So, you know, I would seriously consider an upgrade and um, I, I would love it if he puts it all together because then, you know, the Nats have a solid foundational piece going forward, but I just don't see it happening. So I'm officially tripling down on my take that Victor Robles stinks and, you know, we better get Hi. value out of him while we can. I still think stinks is a strong word. I mean, like you said, he plays a terrific center field. But I do How think many he would center find fielders he... have we seen with great defense and can't hit? That's Victor Robles right now. So yeah, maybe right stink now. stinks is harsh, but he's average. He's aggressively average. He he's providing you what ten other free agent outfielders can do for you right now. So he's and I I do think he would really enjoy Cincinnati. So I think that'd be fine with me. <laughs> maybe we could get some Suarez over here. I want the ever since we talked about this, I've been thinking about the the possibility of them trading for Suarez, and there were some rumors this week that they didn't want to give up uh, Rutledge and Cavalli. Yeah. But to me, I would give up this either one of those guys and Vicar Robles to get a guy with like Eugenio Suarez with the control that he's got. It it bothers me. So like the Nats are doing the same thing. We're like, oh, our, these are untouchables. And like they did it before. You know, did it with Robles. Gene Lita was untouchable. Like, Let's not forget that um, they said no to prime Andrew Miller for Julio straight up. And then, you know, look how that happened. Yeah. This team doesn't develop pitchers. You can't hold on to pitchers. And, like, I get it. You have these guys that you feel really high on. But you're going to add someone who hit 49 freaking home runs. Right. Um, Major leaguers are greater than prospects always. Come on. Like, prospects are so unproven. There's so much that goes into it. You don't know how they're going to turn out. And, like, and, again, and Robles is a perfect example. He was like being heralded as the golden boy. Nobody had even ever heard of Juan Soto because it was all about Victor Robles. And here we are a few years later, and obviously Soto is vastly better. I just feel like if you can pick up a guy of Suarez's stature and you have the kind of control, like I don't know what the hell they're thinking making any pitching prospect off limits. I mean, to an extent, I get it. They – I. I truly do think they have a little bit, a tiny bit of regret with Lucas Giolito, the way they handled him, giving up on him too soon, and then watching him blossom with another team and the other team getting all the credit. And now Adam Eaton's not even on the team, let alone he signed with the team that initially traded him. And I get yeah, but you know, we won it's, a World it's, Series. It's, yeah, no, I get it. That's what I'm saying. Like it's just a little tiny bit. Now that the Still World Series is Adam over. Eaton. What yeah. As that high fades away. 
Yeah, yeah, I get you. So just a little bit. And I agree. You, you Adam Eaton wasn't he had a great World Series, but he wasn't as crucial as you would think. He was more crucial than Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, you know, Howie Kendrick, any of those guys. But, you know, I, I digress. That's not the point. Uh, I just think they're afraid of getting burnt again. Yeah, they're they're afraid of letting go of a top pitching prospect when they know they have an old rotation and they're going to they would benefit greatly if they could develop a guy like Lucas Giolito or Shane Bieber or um, Walker Bueller, one of these young studs that are just taking over the game right now. And obviously every team would like to have that. But uh, to borrow a phrase from OPT, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Pitching prospects are a dime a dozen, and the ones that pan out are so freaking rare. And yeah. you know, and random. They're rarely the, so the ones you expect to be the so ones that pan random. out. So if I would at least say one or the other, like if 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 the Reds wanted Cavalli or Rutledge, you know what I mean? Like be willing to part with one of them and say, okay, we're keeping the other guy. Like you, and just there's keep no, no risk, keep no reward. Still has trade value. Yeah. And then you, I mean, yeah, he's not getting the playing time, but maybe just send him down so he can sort it out and help replenish his value or something. Yeah, like let him not, tear it up the, in the minors some more. Right, so it's you not can the worst case scenario if you keep keeping him on your roster. No. I would, I, yeah, I would love, love, love to see them get Suarez. I think that would be a terrific move for them, not just for now, but when the inevitable retool, re you know, rebuild, whatever you want to call it comes. And it is coming as we know um, that having Suarez for five years of control is a, is a great piece to, to know you can build around. And I just think it's such a no brainer. I was very disappointed to see, I think, was it Heyman? I forget who it was tweeted something that basically yeah, said the Nats are, we're talking, but aren't willing to part with what the Reds want. So it sounds to me like that deal is dead. I, I think it could be revisited just because, the Reds are a smaller market and would would not hesitate to shed payroll. But yeah, right now there's not much fire to uh, the flames or whatever the saying is. All right, let's talk. Oh, I skipped ahead one and forgot about Corey Kluber. So Corey Kluber is going to have a showcase, I think, Saturday this weekend. And a bunch of teams are going to be there scouting him and the Nats are among them. What are you guys thinking? What's your what's your take on that? screams Nats. Like, we know Rizzo likes signing these people after he sends his big scout there, cough Trevor Rosenthal. He's also, you know, the low-risk, high-reward, one-year deal. Again, Rizzo loves these for pitchers. If he's healthy and he can pitch like he has, it's fantastic. Um, I really see the Nats signing him because they need to address the rotation. This uh, free agent market for pitchers has been rather expensive. Corey Kluber won't be that expensive. And I honestly can see them signing Corey Kluber and just hoping he gets healthy because we yeah. know the Nats love those guys who just came off a down year and they just pray for the best. And he fits that mold to a T. Yeah, you could easily make it a, um, an incentive-laden deal and just make him earn his contract. And I don't think anyone would really um, balk at the idea because he's been hurt for the better part of two years now plural so but if he's healthy he's might not be that Cy Young back-to-back Cy Young caliber guy but he's going to be a very quality pitcher especially if we only need him to be a four starter yeah fine 
that's kind of why I like the idea because I, I think in a lot of teams you sign a name like Corey Kluber and they expect a lot of you here. He would be a four. And I think for him that might be appealing that you're not coming into a situation where you're coming off two years of injuries and expected to be the man. Yeah. So I do think it's a fit that makes sense. So I guess we'll see what happens after this weekend. But Yeah, and, and I'm perfectly fine with one-year deals because if we suck at the deadline, hopefully that's incentive to sell off some pieces and replenish our ever-worsening farm system. Um, you can sell guys like Kluber, Schwarber, Castro's expiring, Gomes is expiring. Um, they would have a Hudson. lot of flexibility at the trade deadline if the season's going poorly, that this would be a season where if they don't act like morons like they did last year and do nothing, mm-hmm. then they could really restock the farm system if this season isn't panning out Yep. when we get to the trade deadline. So they, they've kind of, and, you know, Rizzo's a smart man. They're, it seems like they're setting themselves up that way to be like, let's go for it while we're in our competitive window. But if it's not going to happen this year, then we're poised to restock. Yeah, it, partially it stinks because, you know, the shorter the deal, the higher the AAV, and we didn't have a ton of space to work with, but we also have a lot more next year. So it almost makes sense to not do too much this season um, and have more room to operate next season without all this money committed. That being said, you still need to do more this season as it is a prime season still of, you know, this team. And I forgot to mention, in theory, Scherzer's contract, well, not in theory, but Scherzer's contract is expiring. So if you wanted to trade him, you could. Yeah. And speaking of Scherzer, that's going to bring us to our next topic, which um, Ryan mentioned in the, the Week in Review, which is this this cheating scandal um, where a bunch of really big name pitchers have been named. And uh, I haven't seen any evidence of this, just the rumors so far, but this would be hideously no disappointing. Well, I mean, there's plenty I don't know. of evidence. There's a hold on, hold on. First of all, it's invisible. Second of all, every pitcher. Well, I mean, is there more right? to this than this one guy saying this? I'm just. I mean, if you if you want to look around the entire league, there's um, there's pictures, you know, where you can tell whether it's pine tar like, or something else. Clayton Kershaw has it on his hat. He Clayton um, Kershaw uses it every start, pretty like, much. Pictures. He doesn't even try to hide gloves. it. He's just like doesn't no, care. No, Pitchers have on their gloves. A ball stuck to Yadier Molina's catching gear because he had so much of it on him. Fielders use it in their gloves. Everyone uses this, okay? And the only time it's an issue is when it's on their skin. Basically, the league has done, if it's not on your skin, we're not going to care. It's still a rule, and it's still illegal, but everyone does it. Like, batters have it on their helmets. They have it on their bats. And batters actually prefer when pitchers use these substances because it helps with their grip and it means they're less likely to get hit. Yes, it makes you better. Um, As Trevor Bauer pointed out and then eventually snitched on himself, your rotation goes up a lot. So you're going to get a lot more spin on your breaking balls. But a lot of the players are okay with it because it means there's less like a chance that a wild 97 mile per hour fastball is going to hit them in the reds because they get more control. The league needs to just basically make this okay. Limit how much they can use and make it okay because the entire league is doing it. Like when I saw this, they're trying to make it a story because of, yeah, it doesn't even really feel like a scandal so much. Well, no, it's just like, Hello? 
Oh, I thought he just cut out in line. Oh, no. I think he dropped off. All right, well, we'll revisit that. But I actually uh, like his idea of just making this an acceptable thing because I feel like a cheating scandal implies that, like, some guys are doing something that nobody else is doing and getting an edge. And it's just a thing that everybody's doing, and everybody's pretty much okay with it, and the league has been looking the other way and doesn't really care. That It seems – scandal seems like a strong word. Right, and, you know, everyone's doing it, and everyone's okay with it, Yes, it offers a competitive advantage, but one, the hitters are literally allowed to use pine tar. So you're giving the hitters a competitive advantage, but not the pitchers. Doesn't make much sense. And also, it's not like performance-enhancing drugs or anything like that where, you know, some people might not want to use it because of the effects on their body and and whatnot. This is something that is, as far as I know. Not going to affect your body. No long-lasting effects or anything like that. Um, So, and... Again, everyone uses it anyway, so just make it legal. And I don't know how you specifically uh, limit it or, like, monitor it because, you know, with pine tar, it can't go over a certain point on the bat, and you can see that. So with, you know, I guess with pitchers, maybe you like how the rosin bag's on the mound, you kind of monitor it that way. I don't know. That's just a spitball idea. I don't know. What the umpires, but yeah, they can come up with some sort of but yeah. way to regulate it or whatever. Yeah, or you just continue saying not on the skin, but anywhere else is fine. That you know that might be the way too, and then pitchers can just go crazy. But yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and this has been going on for a long time, so it's it is what it is. Is what it is. Okay. Well, um, while we wait for Ryan to rejoin us. Nick, why don't you tell us about our fabulous sponsor? Uh, well, we have one more Natspat segment. Did I miss one? Oh, I did miss one. Oh, and this one's good. I'm sorry Ryan's not here to join us for no, it. He just got back. I don't know if he can hear us. Oh, Ryan. Comms? Maybe he had to, maybe something really intense happened in his game and he had to stop talking to us for a few minutes. You know, that, that's, that's a possibility. It sucks because this, this segment is one ryan actually might <laughs> really enjoy but why don't ahead. we do this why don't you go ahead and do the ad read and we'll come back to it when ryan gets back oh oh we're gonna do back. the yes yay the sports betting the nats became the first mlb team to open a sports book at their stadium which is a pretty big deal the caps of course are a step ahead of everybody on this but first mlb team is a big deal and it the fact that it's deal. the nats leading the charge I know uh, yes. I would have not thought that. That being said, sport sports betting is not legal in every state that homes a uh, an MLB team, but the Nats are not the only team where sports betting is legal, so the fact that they were first, they still do deserve some credit. And even if it's not your thing, it's a big deal. It's going to draw interest to ballpark and get people because, there, which is cool because, you know, you, they talk all right, the time about right. getting anyone, more people in the stadium. Anyone that plays fantasy football you know you're much more invested into the other games other than your specific team because you have something on the line. That's right. what betting is. You know, if you just strip it down to you know, its core, you care about sports more because you have something on the line, in this case, money. No one likes losing money. Everyone likes gaining money. That's what betting is. So it's good for baseball. It's good for the Nats. It's good for, you know, it bodes well for our future as long as, you know, we keep in reinvesting that 
you know, profit into the team and facility and whatnot. Um, so I'm very excited about it, and I think it's a great move. It is fantastic. Major League Baseball needs to get into gambling, like honestly. Um, the reason why NFL has a lot of popularity that it does, especially fantasy football, is because of how much you can bet on football. Um, people like gambling, okay? It's fun. Yeah, you know, you can get some real big issues. Like, um, I can't remember his name, but um, that one NHL player says like $30 million in debt. Evander Kane. Yeah, homie loves gambling. Um, $53 million that man has earned in his career, and he just filed for bankruptcy. That is poor money management right there, ladies and that's gentlemen. That's bad. But it's also smart because, one, the city gets a lot of the tax also because the city's going to tax you for it. Two, you want to offset your losses from last year. Open up a freaking sports book in it. Put about three bars in that bad boy. Yeah. You can get, like... You can get income from how much you sell for the bets. You can also get income on all the alcohol and everything. It's genius. It's honestly very smart. Having it at the stadium, you know, you're like, dang, you know, this guy's cruising right now. The money line just shifted. Let me go run out there real quick, put a quick bet down, and come back to my seat between innings. Fantastic. Absolutely love this. I know a lot of people. And I think you'll get a lot of guys who would, people who would not have normally come to the stadium who might be, you know, they might like baseball. And they might watch on TV sometimes, but if there's a sports book open at the stadium, they might be like, hey, let's pick up some $10 tickets and go sit at the stadium, and that way we can bet. I mean, I think it's a genius move. Everyone is excited about this except Pete Rose. Pete Rose is shaking. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a very fair point. He tried to do this first. Um, But no, like, it's fantastic, and I'm actually really happy that it's the Nats, and I really hope more teams start to follow suit also, just because, like, there's so many benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really see a downside, truly. Um, yeah, I, I don't think so. It's the same, you know, thought process of wanting to go to a bar to watch the game. Like, just that atmosphere and environment. Whereas, like, some people, you know, this definitely isn't any of us, but some people don't like going to a baseball game because they can just, or just a sporting event in general because they can just sit at home <laughs> Couldn't be and me. watch it. <laughs> right, that's not us. But, you know, at the same time, if you put something in uh, – you know, kind of like a bar in Nats Park that might not be everyone's thing, but you're a like appeasing a certain, you know, fan base that loves that specifically kind of a younger fan base or even like a de- de- degenerate fan base because they, they just want to bet. They want to watch the game. They want to hang out and have that bar setting, but they also get to be at the ballpark. So if they want to yeah. run down to the field and sweat out the last, you know, inning and a half, see if their bet hits. That's great. So, uh, again, no downside. Yeah, no downside. Um, this is an awesome move. Also, Nats, the Nats want Nats Park to be, like, the place to go to, right? Like, they made a lot of moves in the past that's kind of catered to just getting people to go there and more so the experience and watching the game, which is why Nats Park is, like, a huge social event. The Nats want it to be the place. We've seen it with the rotating restaurants, the celebrity chefs having things, the fancier foods going in out in left field. They want it to be that place on the weekends. You just add gambling. You just had a whole new crowd because you already have the social crowd that's going to come in on the weekends for all the drinking deals they do. Now you got the gambling crowd, and it's great. There's only going to be more money in their pockets, which means more money for when they sign George Springer and JT Romito. And DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, they're the, their contact bat. There you go. I would not hate it. <laughs> All right. I think I 
haven't skipped anymore. I skipped one and then went back to it and then I skipped yeah, another you've been one. All but over I think we place. got through. I know. I'm just talking. I'm not really watching the, the show doc tonight. I'm just Going just talking. It. Just feeling doing the bull dance. <laughs> feeling the flow. All right. <clears throat> uh, Nick, tell us about our sponsor. Fellas, back again talking manscaped. You know, manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. They offer precision engineer tools for your family jewels. But by now, you know that. Okay. So I'm going to appeal to my uh, male counterparts again, because I know females with all their makeup and stuff, they're much better. They're much more organized. For me, I always lose, you know, my stuff, whether it be, you know, my chapstick, but specifically, you know, fingernail clippers, anything like that. I want to talk about the shears. It's a nice little pack. It comes, I just got mine. It comes in a nice little magnetic, like, wallet-shaped sh- case. It's awesome. It has, you know, tweezers, fingernail clippers, a little pair of scissors, a nail file if you want, you know, your nails all nice and, and clean. No one should have dirty nails. That's just gross. But you can get that normally 20 bucks, which is already a steal. But with promo code HSHH20, you get 20% off and free shipping. Absolutely zero reason in the world you shouldn't just buy yourself this little little shears pack right here step up your grooming fellas there's no reason not to take care of yourself treat yourself manscapes got you covered the shears the lawnmower 3.0 which guys you 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 know it's already been over a month since manscaped has generously supported the show so by now all of you heaters fella heaters should have the lawnmower 3.0 but if you don't no judgment Make it right, though. Code HSHH20 for 20% off, free shipping. Absolutely no reason not to. Manscaped has a bunch of different products. You will find something for you, even if it's just the boxers. Fellas, everyone needs boxers. I guarantee you, you have at least one pair of boxers that you could throw out right now. That's just a guy thing. Why not replace them with the most comfortable pair of boxers you will ever own? And I'm not exaggerating. Code HSHH20 today. Yes, do it. Listen to Nick. All right. We're treating ourselves, and we're going to treat ourselves to our Manscaped poll of the week. We're rounding out our top fours, and we're going to do our top four starting pitchers and our top four relief pitchers during Nick's segment. I already did the random list generator because, you know, I'm I'm one step ahead of the game. I'm one step ahead. Look at me. It's because we talked about gambling. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to get started with the starting pitchers. Nick is going to go second, and Amanda will round us out. And then we do reverse order for the relief pitchers. So Amanda will start with the relief pitchers, and I will finish it out. So when you're looking at the top pit starting pitchers in baseball, the top three are very obvious, right? You know, Very obvious. When we're talking about the best position player, the conversation starts and ends with Mike Trout. When you talk about the best pitcher in baseball, that conversation begins and ends with Jacob DeGrom, who's probably kicking himself for taking that extension with the Mets because he can get <laughs> a stupid ton of money right now. The man's a god. Like, there's there's no other way to do it. Um, he's just so good. Um, he, you know, back-to-back Cy Youngs. 
He had better numbers this year when he won the Cy Young last year. It came in third, probably could have won it a third time, but there's something about the voters not wanting to give someone the Cy Young for the third straight year. He's had three straight years with an ERA under 2.43. Absolutely stupid. He should continue his dominance again this year. Um, and hopefully maybe he actually gets some wins this year because they have a better team behind them. Um, for some reason, the Mets cannot win with him. It's the absolute funniest thing in the world. And then my number two is Garrett Cole. He's a little bit of a, quote, down year for Garrett Cole, which I don't know why, because he had a 2.84 ERA um, <laughs> in the National League East, by the way, which is one of the best divisions in baseball. His whip was well under one. We know what he did in 2019. If he put those 20, if he puts those 2019 numbers up again this year, playing in New York, he's going to get talk about MVP. He went about 25 straight starts without losing a game, which is absolutely absurd. Um, until you know he met Juan Soto, and then the Nationals put six runs up him on in the World Series. Shout out the Nats. His numbers are stupid. Back to back years leading the league in strikeouts per nine. Um, we know what he has. We saw him twice in the World Series. We saw him again on opening day. He is absolutely stupid good. And then third, I have Shane Bieber. Um, he's so good, and he's so young. Just came off winning the Cy Young. Three years in the league. He had a 1.63 ERA this year. He's not even at his prime yet. Who knows um, what else he's going to do. He led the league in strikeouts, ERA+, plus, FIP, hits per nine, strikeouts per nine, um, and ERA, and wins this year. He was the fastest pitcher ever to 100 strikeouts in MLB history, which is absolutely absurd for how young he is for his third season. I expect incredible things from him, and he's going to keep climbing up this list until he's battling DeGrom for the top spot. So the top three is pretty obvious, right? So for my number four, I wanted to go someone that people don't really talk about, right? And there's a lot of different routes I can go for this. And I was like, well... You know, I could go, I can go bold with it. Well, not really that bold. He's pretty good. I can go, you know, like you Darvish, you know, I can go a whole bunch of different ways. I can keep going through the NL East. I can cater to fans and be like, hey, Steven Strasburg. I was like, you know what? I want to stand out. I'm going to go with who I think is the most underrated pitcher in the league. And it's going to shock every single one of y'all. I'm going Sonny Gray as the number four pitcher in baseball. Fun fact about Sonny Gray. He has the current longest streak in MLB history with allowing six hits or less in his starts. He's at like 43 starts or something. Stupid. Um, yeah, so he's incredibly underrated. He was an all-star in 2019. Had a 370 ERA this year, which is all right, but I'm standing out from the pack. I'm going different. I'm going Sunny Gray as my number four. Interesting. I actually had him sort of near my number four, but he didn't make the cut. What do you got, Nick? Uh, Ryan, I actually like that pick a lot, but thanks, babe. For that reason, even though you don't deserve it, you're gonna lose the poll. Because mm-hmm. uh, pe- I know the and the the you know the fan base just I don't care. they aren't woke enough. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, mine's pretty boring, quite honestly, because I have the same top three as Ryan. It's pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah, so do I. They're all going to be the same. I, to- I toyed with putting Bieber over Cole, but uh, as you'll see when we talk about relievers here in a moment, I like the sample size. And even though I think Bieber will be better than Cole this year, 
one, he's also in an easier division. And two, he still doesn't won't have the sample size that Cole does. Cole's going on year four of just dominating the league. Um, so I, Cole still is above Bieber in my book. Number four, um, he is my, I believe he was my Cy Young pick last year. Um, he'll probably be my Cy Young pick again this year when we do our uh, predictions. I haven't gotten that far yet. I, I got to think about all the, the, the faces that switch teams and whatnot. Um, but I'm going Walker Bueller. I think that, you know, I'm glad Kershaw got his, but if anything, that all only further passes the torch from Kershaw, Kershaw to Bueller. Um, dude is a stud. He's young. I think let me pull up stats really quick. He is 26. So, you know, plenty of time ahead of him already in his career. 315 ERA, which is more than solid, especially when you're just starting out. Dude already has 24 wins, uh, probably more than Jacob DeGrom in his career with the Mets. Um, dude, I mean, he kind of have a rocky 2020, but he still had 344 ERA, still solid, and 2020 was wonky, as we all know. But we all saw him dominate in the division series against the Nats. If he had been able to go further into that game and eliminate the a uh, chance that Kershaw would have pitched in that game five. You know, the Nats never would have won the World Series. He was just that good. They couldn't get anything going off of him. I should know I was there. Um, but Walker Bueller, I think he is the real deal. Uh, I'm not too concerned about the regression last year. In 2019, he went 14-4, 3-2-6 ERA. Uh, his whip was just above one, uh, top 10 in Cy Young, two complete games almost 200 innings dude's going to put it together. Hopefully the blisters don't bother him too much. Um, but we're talking about tight pant nation here. Parker Bueller, number four. I like it. I like it. I actually think that he is the ace of the Dodgers rotation, not Kershaw at this point. And uh, I like Bueller. I think he's got a lot of ex- exciting years ahead of him. Um, my top three are the same, which is boring, but I don't really see how you can argue with the top three. I don't know who else you could possibly put up there um, and be taken seriously. But number four is different, and I'm going to partly because when I was thinking about these these polls for tonight, I, I look at starting pitchers and relief pitchers very differently. I, I'm kind of a sample size. I want big sample sizes for starting pitchers, and I don't really care about what you did three years ago if you're a reliever. Like I'm very much more immediate with relievers like what have you done in the last year or two or what are you doing right now this year because relievers I feel like can flash really really hot for a year or two and then they just lose it so um, I kind of approached those from very different perspectives but my number four for starting pitchers I'm going to use Nick's strategy here and go go Homer I'm doing it I'm going Max Scherzer who while last year wasn't great by Max Scherzer standards he still had a 374 and 92 strikeouts so it wasn't awful either. And he's still a very dominant pitcher. He's still been a finalist in the Cy Young voting for the last four seasons. The guy knows how to pitch. I think he's got one more really good year in him. And I just don't see how you can keep him off the list. I mean, he's he's had some injuries and he's older. And hopefully we'll get a healthy season out of him. Because I really do think if he can stay healthy that he's still, he's still Max Scherzer. And in this last year of his contract, I would love to see him go out with a bang. So that's my number four. 
And then we will go into relievers since I'm starting on those. Um, I am going to start with Liam Hendricks, who was just in the news, um, signed a humongous deal with the White Sox. Um, you know, he's just a guy any team would love to have. I wish there would have, I wish there were some way that the Nats could get a guy of that caliber. They never want to pay for relievers as we know, but um, I think, I don't know. I, he's definitely my top pick. I didn't even really have to think very hard about that one. Um, I went number two, uh, Pomerantz. Drew Pomerantz, I think, um, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a, a list where you could move these guys around a whole lot more than you can with the starting pitchers. I thought like the top three was super obvious with the starters, but uh, with Pomerantz had a terrific 2019. And then of course, 2020 was also, he just one four five ERA and 29 Ks and in 18 innings. I mean, the guy was dominant. Um, you really can't argue with him. Next one is Devin Williams. So this kind of, I felt like you could have put like five different guys in here. I don't know if you guys are even going to have the same people or if they're going to be in a different order or who you guys picked, but um, 0.33 ERA last year, which is just absolutely absurd. The guy's pretty underrated. I don't feel like he gets the shine that some of the other big name relievers do, but I really, really like him. And then my number four, I decided to go with Nick Anderson, who had a 0.55 ERA. And um, since 2019, his ERA combined is 143 with 67 strikeouts and five walks. I mean, that's just crazy. So that's my four. I've got Liam Hendricks, Drew Pomerantz, Devin Williams, Nick Anderson. All right. So I, too, saw the list that MLB posted uh, ranking their relievers, um, but I created my own list. <laughs> what um, list are you, so you talking about? I'm... The list where you copied there one to four, but it's fine. Um, I went Liam Hendricks number one. That's, you know, undeniable. As far as sample size goes, obviously you're not looking for the extended peak, um, like com uh, comparing relief pitchers to starting pitchers, but uh, I do look for that kind of extended sample size so to speak of you know can they do this for more than one year or are they just a flash in the pan as we see with the relievers all the time um but Liam Hendricks has proven that you know he's legit number two I still have Josh Hader um dude is legit yeah 2020 is what it is it's just one of those things we talk about a lot on the show if it helps your argument use it if it doesn't throw it out Josh Hader is that uh, he's, you know, done it for years and years and years now. Chokes in the playoffs, but we're a regular season podcast here on Half Street High Heat. Uh, <laughs> number three, I do have Devin Williams, just because I can't deny what he did last year. Uh, don't know how he wasn't. Yeah, like Kyle Lewis had a great year. Oh, wait, no. Well, who was NL? Who was NL Rookie of the Year? Do we know? It was... And I'll work here the year last year. Let me look it up. Oh, that's going to bother me. Why can't I remember? I don't know. I don't remember either. I, like, would have known until you just asked me. Now I've got to... Let's see. Oh, Devin Williams did win. Why did yeah, I, I thought think... It was, he... Why did it I was think 20... Not... I was, like... I was thinking, was it 2019 or 2020? I couldn't remember if his... For some reason, I thought he came in second. 
But anyways, okay. No, so it is him. Devin Williams did get the recognition he deserves. But what he did was absolutely absurd. And he wasn't even closing games. And the fact that he put up this kind of numbers was insane. 27 innings pitched, which in 2020, 60 game samples or yeah. uh, season, um, not not bad at all. So 22 games, 27 innings. 0.33 ERA, like Amanda said. His FIP was a 0.86, so it wasn't just like sheer luck. It, it was legit. 53 strikeouts. It's about two strikeouts per inning. And hits per nine, 2.7. Strikeouts per nine, 17.7. So you had just about two. 5.9, yeah, 5.9 strikeout to walk ratio. Dude was legit. And like I just said, Josh Hader, number two. Devin Williams, number three. Milwaukee has a fierce bullpen tandem yes they do and number four i debated a rolls chapman he's you know just because he's done it forever but with relievers they're so volatile i didn't really want to put chapman in there because you know he's not quite the same guy we saw closing games for the reds uh earlier in the decade uh so i am going to go drew pomerantz i think he's found his niche um closing out games or well just as a reliever, not as a starter, as like a million different teams tried to make him throughout his career. Milwaukee, they were the team that told Gio Gonzalez to stand on the other side of the mound, and then he started pitching well. And then they were the team that took Drew Pomerantz, who was a starter, and said, hey, do you want to pitch at the end of the game instead? And he was like, sure. And now he's and one of the best that relievers. Was that. <laughs> yeah, and now he's one of the best relievers. So Milwaukee's pitching coach. Don't know who you are, but great job. Um, Drew Pomerantz, number four. You know, How close did you come to putting Brad Hand in? I really struggled he, with him. He would be like five list. or six for me. Five or six. But, yeah, I was struggling with that. Yeah. Um, but, yep, that's my top four. All right. Ryan, take us home. Is it, is it my team? <laughs> um, <clears throat> doing relievers is stupid. <laughs> like it's just it's stupid um every single person on this list or list like we have right now can absolutely suck this year and be a disaster and lose their role and there's gonna be people we've never even heard of who are gonna absolutely shine they're gonna be like they're the best reliever in baseball it's a stupid position they're used weirdly that's okay because i have the perfect list here um i did not include Aroldis chapman i did not include what's his name josh Hader. Um, I don't associate with garbage, so they are not in my list. Um, coming at number four, I have Ryan Presley out of Houston. Um, ever since for taking over for another human garbage, Ozuna, he has a 2-8 ERA in the closer spot. He pitches a lot of innings being in Houston. All of Houston's relievers pitch a lot of innings. Um, he has fantastic numbers ever since taking over. The most important, the most important stat for reliever is whip. And he had a whip around 0.9, which is fantastic. So I have him as a very underrated uh, four. Number three, I have Nick Anderson, which I believe you guys both had. So I don't need to go into them too much. Um, yeah, so I have him number three. Number two, who I absolutely love, and I still think he is a great reliever, it's Kirby Yates. Um, he had... I mean, he came like he, he only pitched four innings this year. Yeah, I was, was really going to say, I think he's yeah. hurt, but his 2019 yeah. was legit. Um, 2018 pitched 63 innings, had a 2-1-4 ERA, but he had a whip of 0. 
2019, he pitched six innings, led the league with 41 saves, hit a 1-1-9 ERA, and hit a whip below .9. Um, he was an all-star. He finished ninth on the Cy Young. He's legit. He was hurt this year, but he's still continuously one of the best relievers in baseball. He's done it two years in a row, and I very well expect him to do a third year in a row if he comes back okay and nice and healthy. He's dominant, and San Diego has a great club. And a part of that reason is when you have a rock who has 41 saves um, and only three blown saves. Like, I mean, it's just absolutely stupid. Fantastic numbers. And then number one, as of right now, he is the best reliever, Liam Hendricks. Um, he got paid like it for a reason, very dominant. But then again, Oakland has a very good system for pitchers. Oakland develops pitchers at a good rate, and they have a they pump out a lot of pitchers. Will he be like that in Chicago? Will only remain to see. But Chicago is now the team to beat because they just got Hendricks and just solidified their bullpen. So Liam Hendricks, my number one relief pitcher in baseball. All right. So we'll get those polls up um, from the Half Street High Heat account. So you guys listening, go out, make sure you vote. Um, tell us what you think. Tell us why we're wrong. You always do. And uh, give us give us your top four. We love to see it. Um, before we get out of here, let's give our one big thing for the week. Uh, Nick, what do you got? Uh, nothing really I this week. Thing. Oh, yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> I'll just say if you're like – Max Scherzer, and you like to doctor your balls, uh, I would highly consider buying the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. <laughs> that was um, fantastic segue. Well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the best way to get your ball the way you want it to and the one that feels best. So you can perform better. Increase in, your ro- – never mind. In no. high-pressure situations. There we go. <laughs> well done. Ryan. What do you got? Yeah, so this weekend, NFL just proved why they're king. And Major League Baseball needs to throw out everything they do for marketing and copy the NFL. The NFL had their super wild card weekend. Oh, you guys I know where you're going, football. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it was, they expanded the playoffs, so they had three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, six overall. They had six games on ten different broadcast networks, and they also showed them on three different Streaming networks, no game was exclusive. They had a watch party on Freeform where um, they had a bunch of different artists performing during halftime in the breaks and everything. But mainly, they put a game on Nickelodeon, okay? I was like, well, this is going to be dumb, but I was also really intrigued by it. The entire broadcast was dedicated to kids. They had all the Nickelodeon elements, slime for the end zone. They had fun stuff for the first down marker, and I was really intrigued by it. But I found myself watching the entire game on it because it was actually really freaking entertaining. Um, It was genius. They were explaining the rules as the game went. They had young Sheldon and other stars from the network. Um, I know Young Sheldon's on CBS, but he was explaining all the penalties. Um, They had stars from Nickelodeon that the kids all know and explaining the game as it went. They were telling fun facts about the players, their favorite ice cream, their favorite superheroes and everything. And it was Nickelodeon's most watched product ever. Over 2 million people watch this game on Nickelodeon, and it's absolutely brilliant. Those were 2 million kids that they just reached. Um, Brilliant. And, like, no game had its own network. No one was exclusive. They realized how people are watching now is different, and they put six games on 13 networks and had an entire broadcast towards kids. That's how you grow the game. 
That's how you market towards kids. That's how you get the young generation involved in loving your game, especially one where kids aren't playing as much anymore for injury concerns. You get them involved. You get them interested by having an entire broadcast towards them. Major League Baseball needs to do this. They will never do it in a million years because everyone involved in Major League Baseball is over the age of 85 and it's a very old fuddy-duddy and doesn't understand what marketing is. I digress. Absolutely brilliant. Major League it Baseball was brilliant. To find a way to do something like this because this was marketing done beautifully. I, uh, I would love to see them do something like that. God, it, it was awesome. And the best thing about it is it worked so well because they didn't take themselves seriously. And, you know, I saw some reaction on Twitter, people saying they hated it. Well, it's not for you. It's for, you know, the Kids, younger audience. Right. There's for, another broadcast. It's not like they right, only put exactly. it on Nickelodeon. It's not the only right. one. It's for those kids or specifically those kids watching with their parents right. who can still watch the game and they don't have to pause, you know, every five seconds to explain something. Or, you know, maybe they like that so, you know, they can – add on to whatever they heard on Nickelodeon. I thought they did a phenomenal job. I, uh, I use uh, Hulu live to get all my like live stuff and it actually didn't include Nickelodeon. So I did a free trial for YouTube TV specifically so I could get the Nickelodeon broadcast. Nice. I, I wanted to support it. I wanted to keep going and I actually really enjoyed it as well. And I thought they did a great job of explaining the game. Um, but I saw on Twitter the average age of fan base over like the past like increments of five years, and I, I wish I kept it. But um, baseball's second to NASCAR. Uh, their average age is sixty-two right now, so we are higher than golf. Let that sink in. So it hurts. It yeah, hurts. I think it's an awesome idea. I did not watch the Nickelodeon broadcast, but I saw a bunch of stuff after, and I just think it's a terrific idea as somebody with a bunch of young kids. I think it would be a great way. I would love for baseball to do something like that so that I could watch baseball and the kids would actually be interested because what actually happens when you have young kids in the house is you turn on a baseball game and they might watch it a little bit coming in and out of the room, but they're not going to sit down and watch a three-hour game, not any kind of game. You know, if you make it entertaining and you make it interesting and you engage little kids, I think that's just a fantastic way to grow the fan base. And I would, I would love it if baseball had something like that. Maybe they did like one game a week where they would broadcast it on, you know, make the Sunday like night that. baseball game available on Nickelodeon. Right. Well, or maybe some... that's too late, but like something along those lines. Yeah. Or like one of the, you know, like a afternoon matinee, like a one o'clock right. getaway game or something, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where you can get kids involved, but I would love that because I, you know, I, everybody in my house knows in the summer when it's baseball season at seven o'clock, there's a baseball game on every night. And the kids, like I said, they'll wander in and out. Sometimes they'll sit and ask questions and stuff, but kids aren't going to stay interested in a baseball game for three hours, not little kids, hmm. you know, and as they get older, I'm sure they will become more interested if it's something that's happening in your household. But if you can grab them when they're little and get them into the game, I, and that's just such a no brainer. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Yeah. No downside. Yeah. No they, downside. They need to figure something out. Like sports betting. <laughs> the point yeah. This absolutely. So that NBA was kind of. Absolutely dominate. Oh, sorry. Yeah, NFL, you mean. Well, I wasn't done talking. NBA oh, absolutely dominates social media. Um, oh, yeah. Golf was smart, and they paired up with Top Golf, which got into a huge new base of people who don't know golf. They put it with alcohol, and it was brilliant. So now a lot, a whole wave of younger people are into, into golf. Baseball needs to figure something out. They should just steal everything NFL does or find something because that 62 number, woof, 
that's bad yeah well, it's only it, going to be going up too yep well my one big thing was actually slightly football related too which was taylor heineke is the king of dc and that game we lost but it was fun what was the last time you had fun watching a washington game that was awesome uh, uh, but that's over now and it's hockey season and in two days time two days from right now there will be capitals hockey on nbc sports washington i cannot wait so i don't excited. support racists so i cannot support taylor heineke i apologize i don't know yeah i guess i missed I was, that I supporting me there i was hit to this when it first happened oh, i am well, anti-taylor heineke I don't know. I guess I missed whatever he Oh, did. he deleted his Twitter, which was, you know, actually credit to him because, you know. Or athletes break- ought to do that. A, yeah, a breakout game like that, that's the first thing people are going for. You just oh, look at what happened it. to Josh Hader when uh, he was in the All-Star game on the, you know, national market. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they brought up the old article of it. And, like, so in case you guys don't know, um, he had a very controversial Twitter rant. He was talking about how I'm a Christian. It was very anti um, about the protests that were going on at the time. And it was just a lot of the typical, like, just crap, right? It was, it was rather problematic and it was rather racist. People started calling him out for it. And he was like, we're adults. Let's have a civil conversation about this. So people were having a civil conversation with him, and they were trying to educate him. And he goes, I'm being canceled. I'm tired of this. And just deleted his Twitter. And deleted everything. Um, so oh. he wanted a civil conversation. People tried. And then he screamed cancel culture and deleted his Twitter. And then people brought it up after the game anyways because screenshots live forever. And it came back up again. Interesting. Well, I'm actually glad he deleted his Twitter because at least there won't be any more crap like that. Yeah. I think a lot of athletes, especially ones who might have said or done done things when they're younger. This sounds like it was more recent. But I think a lot of athletes ought to just delete their Twitter probably be better for them it blows me how none of them do i know i just it, it it happens to people over and over again and then you wonder like did nobody say to you hey you're getting drafted why don't you delete your twitter i don't know it's weird anyway hockey two days be there be square or you know watch it on tv because you can't go to the stadium or be square doesn't quite have the same ring anyway you guys got anything else before we go Nope. Uh, I feel like something's about to happen in the next 24 hours. And any time I hit submit on posting the pod, uh, something newsworthy Some big breaks. news breaks. Well, let's so, let that be true. And Rizzo, yeah, get to work, welcome. buddy. <laughs> get you're to work. We're going to post this. And then you go right ahead and do, do your thing, Mike Rizzo. Do your thing. All right, guys. Well, have a good week. We will catch up next week. And uh, if anything happens in the meantime, we will, I guess, talk about it on Twitter. (laughs) Sounds good. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. See you.
By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are in bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're fucking curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.